Clean contact. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. Or the moment defines you. Hello and welcome to the Golf Practice Podcast. My name is Andy Hayes, and back with me is Jansen Miserak and Peter Leinenweber. Jansen, uh, it's been a long time. Wow. It's great to be here. It's great to be back. I almost forgot what it's like to have a mic in front of me. Thanks for having me on. How nervous are you? One to ten. Zero. Oh. Oh. One to ten. <laughs> One's the lowest. Oh. <laughs> Zero. I'm extremely comfortable. All right. Great. And and Pete, uh, yeah, as you just said, long-time listener... First time uh, guest yeah, or, first or time co-host, guest. I guess, whatever. You're just here in the room with us. Yeah. Thank you for joining. My pleasure. It's an honor. How long have you been working at the golf practice? Well, I started working uh, in the summers back in 2014 uh, as a college student, did it for about four years, and then kind of came back back in August of 2020, so probably about six months now. Nice. Yeah. So basically longer than Jansen and I together. Yeah, if right? you combine it all together, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you combine it all together, yeah, so you're long before you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're here. Um, we're going to start to hopefully do a more weekly um, podcast with, you know, a rotating variety of TGP coaches um, mm-hmm. talking about. We're going to talk about the biggest golf story of the week. We're going to talk about something that that fascinated or interested us over the past week, and the reason for that is that the name, the golf practice. Do you guys do you guys know where that came from? I have a feeling. I, I I think I heard it on a podcast a while back on this sh- very show, actually. But what, I don't what's, wanna... we, what's your memory? What's your memory? I, if I remember correctly, I remember when golf was invented, or at least in the early days of golf, it was called like the golf, or you referred to it as the golf. And I think it was like Peter Donahue had talked about it as like the practice of the golf. So that's basically what I remember. I know that's not the whole story, but. That's All right. Do, how about you? Do you well, guess? Th- yeah, the same. It's like you, you used to refer to the game as the golf. And uh, so there's, um, I don't want to call it ancient, but there's like history behind how you refer to that of, of the golf. And then the practice is, you know, our our company or our, uh, academy is uh, to aim to help consult and coach people to learn how to practice better um, and more efficiently. So I know that that has some meaning to it, too. I heard a guy in here the other day uh, ask, oh, what's the name of this place? And Steve was giving him a tour. He said, the golf practice. And the guy chuckled. He goes, oh, what an original name. And I'm like, well, dude, there's actually some layers behind it. It's <laughs> kind of funny. Well, actually, both your answers are very impressive because they sound awesome, but they're both wrong. Oh, so, wow. I know. It's You've been talking to Pete too much then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the, you're, I mean, it's not that they're wrong, but like the, where it came from was from the book, The Golf in the Kingdom. Mm. which is a book by Michael Murphy. And in it, Chivas Irons is kind of this this golf guru guy, and he has a quote where he says, the, he says, the golf, so you're on to the golf, and he says, is the place to practice fascination. Okay, okay. I've heard that quote. Yep. Yes. So we have said that before. We have said that on a podcast. You must not have heard okay. that one. Um, so so the, go- the golf is a place to practice fascination. That's where the name kind of came from. So we're going to talk about something that, that fascinated us uh, you know as part of our uh you know our weekly series seems to fit and then finally we have the question of the day or of the week and so um yeah we'll f- get more into that we'll get as there. it comes um so today the biggest story of the week obviously is tiger woods was in yet another car crash um i don't know i, I guess i don't even know where to start with this one. Third car crash in like how long since 2007 yeah yeah, it felt like Groundhog Day when I saw the the news. I was, I, you immediately think like, is it life or death? Is it like just a minor hitting a hydrant like it was back in two thousand nine? But yeah, or just, it hit or hard. just like getting pulled over like again, like yeah. You see Tiger Woods car accident injury. Like mm-hmm. I thought the media was just blowing it out of proportion again. Just him being in the news already as the tournament host of from uh, the Genesis Invitational, but then it. You know, as as more news came to light, and then really it, it hit home with me when I saw the picture of the car, you know, of the picture of yeah. the car in the you know off the road and flipped over and all the just completely 
destroyed it was like oh dang like this is legit like this is a this is actually uh like a life-threatening kind of accident that he was involved in yeah and like nowadays too with social media everything's instant so like when i saw a tweet about it it was like from an unverified source and i'm like this can't be this can't be real right and you don't know what's true what's not true and similar to the the kobe bryant death uh, a little over a year ago it was like a lot of information was coming out at, at pretty much instantly and you're like the same thing you didn't know which was true which was not and this felt very similar it kind of like hit home immediately it was like wait a second is this this like real life like he, we just saw him last week or the the day before giving out the the trophy to max home at his tournament so it was pretty weird for sure it was strange i and even if you go like was it the day before two days before where he did you see his interview that he gave yeah, with like yeah. jim nance and he yeah. like everyone was just talking that like he looked asleep like, like asleep and just oh, zoned looked, out yeah he looked he like he like, was on those medications again yeah. he it he looked like his mugshot yeah. from the mm-hmm. last time he was in a car yeah. related incident, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. And then at Riviera, he like Homa in his interview, you know, he talks like Tiger's going to hand me the trophy today. Like, I can't, I can't wait for it. And you're thinking like, and, and so then like the coverage ends on CBS and it goes over to golf channel. So I like flip it. I'm like, I gotta see Tiger hand him the trophy, but they like, didn't show it for some reason. And I wonder if, you know, he's had another back surgery like mm-hmm. so because all we saw was kind of a picture of him and homa mm-hmm. standing right. next to each other so it's like man he's not really in the best he, he's not in the best shape ever and he's probably not you know going to be playing for a little while it's like that's okay but then it's like car crash yeah smashed and i heard some stuff too that said that he originally wasn't going to go on air with jim and then like I, I didn't see that portion of the interview on the coverage, but it sounded like some of the questions he was being asked and it just like there was a weird vibe in the air of that, of like you didn't know if he was going to go in the booth and make an appearance and then he decided kind of last minute too and then it's and then it's like, mm, should he have done that? Because it was kind of a bad image yeah. for him. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Pete, you're here because you're a resident Tiger uh, fanatic. Yeah. Um, for the listeners, he's wearing a tiger hat yeah, right now. With the hat. Got it on the the Frank hat. Um, like I I don't know. Does this you compare this to Kobe Bryant? But it probably impacts you differently than that. It does. I, the 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 reason I compared it to Kobe was that it's like how you can be hit so hard emotionally by somebody you don't know. Like I've never met Kobe. I've never met Tiger. But and Tiger more so than Kobe has meant the world to like my life, my upbringing, my childhood. He's the guy that got me into golf. You hear that a lot with, like Max Homa said it the other day, he, the reason he plays golf is because of Tiger. And I could say the same thing. I mean, the reason I'm here today at this, at the golf practice is a lot to do with, with Tiger. And he just inspired me and so many other people, a lot of my friends, my family. And uh, he's a, tr- he's, he transforms people's I mean, he just transforms people. And it, it, it. so when I saw the news, it was like Tiger playing golf was so in a, such a distant future and was, didn't really feel like it mattered. It was more so like, is he going to live? Like, is he going to, am I going to see him with Charlie Woods at tournaments in the future? Am I going to see him at the Champions Dinner at the Masters? Am I going to see him be a Ryder Cup captain? Like you said, um, a lot of things. It was like, wait a second, like this might be it, you know? And so that's what, why it hit home so hard but also at the same time i don't i don't know tiger personally so why is it hitting me so hard but um that's kind of a little bit of, as to why well, what what's your like most formative tiger memory wow that's a great question andy um i, I mean early memories like really early probably was back in 2000 i remember um i was in florida uh in the early summer so i think it was it must have been june um, with my grandfather, and he took me out to the driving range. I was about four or five years old, and uh, we came home that day. It was a Sunday, and he turned on the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. And I, I don't really remember much much specific details about it, but I just remember seeing Tiger in this this red shirt and kind of being mesmerized by it. Maybe that's become folklore now. Maybe I've just changed the memory in my head, but the real first memory I have of him where it was like, I can remember specific details was uh, the Masters in 2005. Um, That chip in on 16, 
uh, just like that that playoff with with Demarco. It just was like all of it was, was like a it was written like a movie basically. That that ball falling in in the hole on sixteen, you could see the Nike swoosh. It was like a commercial, and I think they actually Nike made it into one after that. But that's probably the biggest one in my head. What about you? You got one? Uh, 08 um, U.S. Open against yeah. Rocco. Uh, that's the biggest one when he made that putt. I mean, that is my favorite putt to watch of all time. Yeah. Favorite Fist favorite, bump. favorite golf shot to watch of all time. So that, was that, that did, do you have any memories of him before that? Um, no, that's the one I always come back to. I, I remember growing up, my dad, like, not liking Tiger because he won too much. So, like, my dad doesn't really like sports players that win yeah, too much because okay. he's like oh it's not it's not exciting yeah, and yeah. i'm like what are you talking about someone else dominating yeah. this is sick you know um and so i always like i always liked tiger just because i'm like even though he was uh you know he was dominating maybe not even that personable uh, it's cool to watch what he's doing you know how did he get there how's he doing it it's pretty pretty incredible but yeah that putt it's pretty sick yeah yeah mine i am i guess i'd say i'm like a huge tiger fan right now and have been since i guess since 2008 or maybe even earlier um but in 2005 that'd be my earliest tiger memory that same tournament mm-hmm. um but at the time like i wanted chris demarco to win <laughs> i've never i've never admitted that to anyone before <laughs> in my wow. life so like this is very honest of you. yeah yeah um yeah this is the first public admission of that and but but like dance was saying like I wanted him to win because I was every time we had golf on, it was just like Tiger Woods won every time, and I was like boring. I didn't know, I didn't follow golf before Tiger came along. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, I feel like if mm-hmm. you were into golf right. before Tiger came, that would be like, it'd be like, wow, this is so cool. Like, what yeah. is going on? I can't believe it. But for me, my whole time like following golf was just like, there's this guy Tiger Woods, and he's way better than everyone else, and nobody else ever wins. So I was like, yeah. Yeah. I didn't have quite like the context of like what. Like what is this? Um, mm-hmm. And I like he made that shipment. I like what I wasn't happy. I was like, oh dang, <laughs> like, dang. <laughs> but now, Shoot. but now I look at it and it's it's awesome and um, yeah. it's yeah incredible. I think the audio might be the audio on this podcast. I can't remember the intro. I don't remember if it's from that shot or not, but I think it is. All right, uh, whatever. Yeah, I, yeah you can. Yeah, I ah, can't remember. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of someone <laughs> someone um people who listen and review this, thank you very much. Um it helps us get more listeners. Someone said that uh they they listen to this when they're going to bed and the the uh intro music is like really disturbing for them. So I'm <laughs> oh. sorry. Um but we're just we're not gonna change it. Um yeah, so sorry. just just you know, you can press the fast forward thirty seconds, uh, you'll skip through it and you'll get right to to the good part um but whoever that is thank uh thank you for the review um but we're not <laughs> gonna take it into consideration um okay before we move on i to our uh, what fascinated us this week i i've got a little bit of tiger history mm. and it's Ooh. i think it's good to go back on yeah, all right this is good. from an espn article of bob harrig and he he titled it like how like how we got here tiger woods timeline so maybe i'll just kind of skim through mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. of it so this since this since 2007 so okay. um 2007 august 2007 woods ruptured his acl while running but he was able to keep playing and won the pga championship pretty cool um very had more surgeries um again we got 2008 he wins the u.s open basically on a broken leg um then he had surgery where they reconstructed his ACL using a tendon from his right thigh. He had cartilage repaired and did not play for the rest of the year. 2009, um, returns to the PJ Tour, uh, wins some tournaments. March 29th, 2009, this is another formative memory of me. Uh, Tiger Woods, he beat Sean O'Hare coming back by five strokes in the mm. Bay Hill. And I remember I was a freshman in college at North Park and my brother was visiting. And the final round was on, Tiger was down five and we're like, we're going to watch this. Tiger's going to win. He is down by five going to, f- and he did. He won the last putt. It was yeah. like, it was like he so surreal. It. It's yeah. like, he just knew it was going to happen. There's no question um, that whether or not it would happen or not. Um, so that's 2009, November 25th, 2009. Um, the story of the national Enquirer alleging Tiger Woods mm. affairs. Um, he's in his kind of first major car crash uh, where he drove into a fire hydrant and all the windows were broken of the car so this is where 
kind of starts to unravel a bit. Um, I think he, it was about like a hundred feet from his front door too, which makes yeah. it even crazier. Like what happened in those those twenty seconds that he left his driveway until he hit that hydrant? It's just it's a little weird to think about, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, lead, working theory is like he is on his all these like pain pills right, and stuff, right, right, right. and like his wife found out, and from the Tiger documentary, like they reported his wife, you know, found out about whoever that Rachel Rachel you could tell. Yeah. Um he starts withdrawing from stuff. He wow, he got Alright, we'll just keep going, you know. Um withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. He goes to therapy for forty five days. He has two thousand ten a apology interview. It's kind of awkward. All of his you know, all of his sponsors start dropping him, except Nike. They stayed with him. Um Oh, November 17th, 2010, Tiger tweets for the first time. <laughs> he joined wow. Twitter. He said, what's up, everyone? Finally decided to try out Twitter. <laughs> uh, but, wow. I mean, that's probably one of his biggest mistakes he's made, you know, in his life. Certainly up there. It depends how much time <laughs> he spends on it. Um, then, <laughs> then, <laughs> but then he comes back. Okay, so, so uh, this is where, this is the part of, from, like, the Tiger documentary that they didn't kind of, like, cover this this part if he comes back and he just starts sucking like not playing good golf at all he may 12 2011 he returns at the players championship shoots 42 for the front nine withdraws it's like that's strange like what's what's going on and then he um he goes to like dubai and withdraws like he starts shooting 80s and majors it's like what i mean what did you think about him during this time so I was in uh, early high school at that point, and uh, a lot of my friends were similar to your your dad in that they just they didn't like him, yeah. and they kind of teased me about it. They were like, "Why do you still follow this guy? Why do you like he's he's like Andy, like you said, he's he's terrible at this time. He's withdrawing. He's shooting forties on on the front nine at the players. He's doing things that we never thought Tiger could do." And I was just like, "I don't know. I mean, these are my formative years of golf, so I was really like learning how to play." tournament golf and i try to like rely on like old tiger highlights at that time and try to look back at the positives but i always uh i mean my friends can attest to this i always was like he'll be back i mean there's one guy you just i felt like in golf that you just didn't bet against um at least in the long term and it was him so i still had a lot of um i was positive that he'd be back at least i I thought i was at the time and he and as as i'm sure we'll find out soon he did uh, eventually kind of redeem himself from those 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 bad years there but it was a little weird yeah he so probably that low you know 2011 starts missing cuts being terrible he in 2013 he wins the players so probably his biggest tournament win uh you know since the scandal mm-hmm. so you think he's coming back then he starts getting hurt again um he lost in a playoff to zach johnson at the hero world challenge it's kind of <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> i don't know um at his own tournament then he shoots finished tied 80 at tory pines withdraws in the final round of the honda classic it's 2014 citing back issues really doesn't do doesn't do very much wow june 6 2015 a third round 85 at the memorial is mm. the highest score of woods's professional career i remember that clear as day that whole round <laughs> it relegates him to a sunday morning tea time first off and alone thousands of spectators show up <laughs> to see him play by himself <laughs> and shoot 74 finishing last among those who made the cut um then you know, still like injuries 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 um 2000 i'm looking for oh master's dinner 2017 he tells jack nicholas like i don't think i can play again like man it's tough tough very tough tough like so he was um up until this point i remember him never he was always like so positive always like spinning his injuries and bad play in like some positive way and you never heard him be like hey this sucks like like i'm hurt yeah like i'm it's really bad yeah um and so that was like the first time you ever heard anything of like wow actually like he this is more serious than than you might think um may 29th 2017 his second major car I guess incident, he didn't uh, crash. Yes. Um, he's arrested 
miles from his home in Florida after police officers discover him asleep at the wheel of his car. Um, he had five drugs in his system, including painkillers. Video of the arrest goes viral, and Woods later enter a plea um, and undergoes counseling. Um, then the return to glory, 2018, thrilling year. Does well at the the open the open championship. Does well at the PGA championship. Doesn't win. Wins at East Lake, and then next year wins the Masters. So you're saying he comes back. Comes back, baby. Um, and then, you know, hasn't done really much since that. Kind of took some time off, and then now we have this serious car crash, where it seems like I'd be like super surprised if he ever played competitive golf again. I mean, maybe he will, but it seems like they're trying. Yeah. They're like when they're like, "Hey, guys, he's alive." Like that's not really a. Yeah, you know the most encouraging. This isn't one of those scheduled back surgeries where no. they're trying to repair something so that he can play golf again. This yeah. is like we're trying to save his life yeah. and make sure he and can walk. Yeah. I mean, there's still not a lot of information out, but it's like we're trying to save his leg, you know, so you don't have to amputate. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, jeez, yeah. you know. So it's like, if there's any chance at all that he could come back and play. You know, like he's the guy to do it. He's look at guy. like look at look at what we just read off and like what he was able to overcome and and do. But I I don't think that that's what the story should be about. It's like, hey, can he still be around to be at the Champions Dinner yeah. at the yeah. Masters and be a mentor to these younger guys like the Morikawas and the and the, right. the Max Homas to like be an awesome tournament host. You know, be a Ryder Cup captain and just uh, and still contribute to the game in that way. Yeah. Um, whether he's in a wheelchair or he's walking or he's playing with them, you know. Right. And I think Rory, to that point, had a, a good quote before the tournament last week. He said, um, it's like, that doesn't matter right now. Like right. One of the reporters asked him, like, you know, is there one guy who would be able to, to come back from these types of injuries and this type of crash? Wouldn't it be Tiger? And, and Rory's like, well, yeah, but that that's that's not the point. The point is so that he's alive his kids can still have a father he can uh just just be alive and, and and i think that's what matters right now and like you said i think the concern is like can he keep his his leg can he uh walk again can he um be it like walk his his daughter down the aisle stuff like that that important life uh experiences that matter more than just him playing golf because he he has done just about everything you could possibly do in your own sport um, he doesn't owe anything to golf. He doesn't owe anything to anybody. Um, I think he, it's just really about him and his quality of life at this point. Yeah, and I think if you take it in context of like what he's done since like 2019 Masters, he hasn't been in good shape right. physically. He hasn't you know com- really competed in any really in any tournament. He hasn't been you know in the top ten on a Sunday. Uh, well, maybe he has. I'm not sure. Nothing. He was never like, he's going to win this tournament. He might have had some nice final rounds. But um, it seems like to me, he he like gave, he like put every ounce of mental energy into like coming back to win again. And it's like when he did that at the Masters, it, it to me kind of seemed like he's like, okay, I've, I've done. Like it was just like unsustainable to mm-hmm. keep up, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it was yeah. that took him to get to that point. Absolutely. Um, he proved a lot of people wrong with that that comeback and that win at the Masters and at the Zozo with that 82nd win. So yeah. I think, and I don't think that's what his goal was to prove people wrong, but he did. There were a lot of people that said he'd never play golf again 10 years ago, and here we are in 2021 still talking about Tiger Woods, and yeah. he's still yeah. the face of the sport. So um, to your point, he's done just about everything he could do, and he, I mean, he might have used a lot of his his mental, emotional, and physical energy to win that Masters. And in my opinion, it was worth it because that, that's yeah. a week I'll yeah. never forget. Yeah. yeah. And I and so the, the reason I went through kind of the history is uh, I'm thinking about how I wonder if, like, the further removed we get from this, does that, like, comeback in that 2019 Masters seem, like, even more amazing than, than it, like, did in the moment? Because I feel like in the moment it was, like, Oh, like Tiger's back. People are like, is he gonna yeah. catch Jack's record? Like he's, you know, he's gonna be. We're gonna have these showdowns with Tiger and Spieth and Tiger and Rory that we've been like waiting for all this time. Like it's awesome that he's here. And then that just like didn't happen. And so people, I want people were talking about the Grand Slam that year. Yeah. I remember because yeah. well, cause you <laughs> probably were. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, oh, I guess people it's possible. But 
But I mean, the U.S. Open was at Pebble. The the last two times he was there, he got second and first, and the first was by 15. So like, you got to think, oh, he's got a chance there. (laughs) And then uh, I forget the other two majors, but they were both places he had a good chance to win at. So yeah, there was a little bit of me that thought that, but like you said, I think the the further removed we get from 2019 and that that infamous April, the more it's like, wow. How did he do that? Yeah. How did he do? And think about that leaderboard right behind him: Kepka, Johnson, all these guys that like are younger, stronger, more athletic than him. And he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold you guys off one more time." So yeah, yeah. He d- yeah. So it's cool. I don't know. I did. Yeah, maybe that's all kind of to say about it. But um. it's you. You don't want to see the. Uh, you know, the end of his playing career, you know, be ended by like an accident like this. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if you just think about a year ago, you know, in April, mm-hmm. the way he was able to, to do what he did, it's like, well, that's a pretty good way to end that chapter, you know, right. if your playing career is like yeah. of that. And it's not like he played terrible after that, right? He won at the Zozo to get his 82nd. And, and he played well, you know, at Pebble and, and mm-hmm. these places yeah, and these other things. Cuts, you know, he's making, he, you know, he was making cuts and, you know, his performance at the, at the President's Cup was pretty sick too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like we'll see where we are, you know, a couple months down the road of mm-hmm. like what happens, you know. Well, it'd be cool too to see him and him and Charlie playing that that yeah. father son tournament again if he can ever kind of compete or, or play at least a little golf. That'd be cool to see because last uh, I don't know when that was last year was it's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, no, it was yeah. awesome. I mean, after that, that tournament, sick. I was texting you. I was like, let's. What I was looking up you know, Charlie's birthday and finding what <laughs> what would be the earliest time that he could make the Ryder Cup and be paired with Tiger in the Ryder Cup. Um, you know, it, was, it yeah. was fun to dream for a couple months. But, but I'll tell you what, though. I'm not saying he's going to come back. I'm not saying he should come back. But if he does and he does play golf again, that in itself is like the second greatest sports comeback of all time behind his own. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Yeah, he is the first and second if that happens, and that's a big if, obviously. Yeah. But I feel like if he doesn't think he could win a major, and like he knows more than anyone at this point, literally anyone in the world, what it would take to win a major. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't think he, he can do it, I don't up. think he'll play again. He won't tee it up. Yeah, he said that most of his life. I think he's like, I'm not gonna tee it up if I don't think I have a chance to win. So he's not gonna be those guys who like still go to the Masters. Larry Mize. Larry Mize. And, <laughs> yeah, and he's not gonna Sandy play on the Lyle. Champions yeah, Tour. He's Sandy not gonna Lyle. do his. He's no. not gonna do his farewell tour. No. You know, no. so he, he will hang it up and say, "I'm done." Kind of yeah. what Phil's doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No offense yeah. to Phil. No. All right, well, that's, that's, that's enough for Tiger. Well, I'm sure we'll be back to him, uh, you know, the most interesting guy in sports. Um, then the second segment, something that was fascinating to you this past week. Jansen, mm-hmm. you're, you're on the tee. <laughs> on the tee. Uh, something that fascinated me. Uh, I mean, I feel like the last couple of weeks have been pretty awesome. Uh, we're almost done with our winter f- programming. I'm about to move into the spring, and so we've been having some good staff meetings um, for our advanced program. Uh, kind of, I guess, a little spinoff of our coaching meetings. Like, hey, how can we get these uh, these group classes to be better? What do we want the curriculum to look like? Look like, and how do we want to transition to to the spring? And so, one note that I wrote down was like, what what is a winter project, and how do you transfer that into a spring project to get ready for the season? Right? Yeah, we've done like a lot of cool things and learning about different content and themes and uh, understanding the golf swing more. But now how does that get applied? Um, I know Coach Andrews has mentioned that of like, hey, like, how are we going to start to get this, the kids to understand, hey, yeah, you learned about club path or you learned about angle of attack, but like, when do you use it? Um, And so I think that's a a pretty exciting thing. So I've been pretty fascinated with it. just seeing a progression of like how we will move forward into the uh, into the season and using the simulators more to simulate how we're going to play routines. We did routine stuff last night of, hey, you know, build your own. You don't have to do somebody else's. We can, you know, we can help consult you through that and understand why and what to do and what not to do. But, um, you know, have some ownership of your game and make it fun. So that was fascinating. I, and lastly, the second thing that I wrote down was um, speed speed right. training it's been he, good yeah it's been really good we've done uh some speed training with m360 kids i've been taking some of my other students through it and then i've been going through it myself and uh we're about 
I've been doing it for about six weeks now, but I've gone crazy at it like the last two. Uh, and we're seeing records broken every week. You know, people that set a goal and they've already surpassed it. And now they had to set like a second goal, which is pretty cool. So, so like what records have you broken? Um, so I, I recorded my fastest speed ever this last Saturday at 112. So I've never, nice. I've never nice. even touched that before. I was at the beginning of this off season. I was probably at 106 top speed. Wow. And then like six weeks ago, I was at 109. And then, and then this last Saturday I was 112. So that was pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. And then the swing right after that was 111. So it's like, then that was like, that would have been a record. It, too so like that was dope but uh you know lexi was in uh over the weekend as well and her and chris have been taking very detailed notes as they do with everything they do very thought out and disciplined it's it's awesome to watch them work together and uh her her average speed they've been more on the at what's the average speed has just been climbing like half a mile an hour every week you know um and she got uh she got 90.5 miles an hour um, on her last swing Dang. of the day on Saturday, and that's the first time she's been above 90 miles an hour, so that was pretty cool to pretty witness. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Wow. And you know her. She doesn't show very much emotion or no fist pumps or anything, and so like Chris wow. and I were going nuts when we saw mm-hmm. that pop up on the screen. She's like, cool, thanks for the help, guys. Yeah. <laughs> a couple, a couple like maybe it was a month ago, I showed her that Bryson video. Uh, have you seen the video of like Bryson yes. before the Masters where he's, he's there's like, like Metallica's playing and he's screaming. He's like, 208! He like steps up and just like bombs it and there's like 20 people around. And I asked Lexi, like, I think she said for $500 she would recreate that video yeah. for us of like, wow. You know, whether it's ball speed or she would never. Out, you know? yeah. But no, like, there's a price. You know, there's a, there's there's a price. A price. I'm yeah. not sure if, you know, I'm not willing to put that up myself, but maybe our <laughs> listeners or. You know, you guys who are on start social media. Start a GoFundMe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to get this video, to get this video made, because we're all just, um, uh, yeah, you know, it's exciting. Yeah. So. Yeah, I never, I never, you know, you've seen all the, I, I don't know, this, this off season, I've always seen the importance of fitness and all of these things is something that I do, do on a ritual, but like going through a programming that's designed for something and then like seeing the results as fast as we are, I've never seen anything like it, so... Uh, it's been cool to share with people, uh, cool to experience it myself. So, yeah, definitely fascinating when you see numbers that you've never produced before and you're like, wow, is that, is that me? Was already, I never thought that kid could do that, mm. you know? So it's cool, breaking barriers. Yeah, I haven't done it. I've only done it once. Um, but you, the way you taught it to us is like try to make – so can you explain like the whoosh of the club and like why it should be where it should be? Yeah, so the, so the training I've there's a there's a lot of different training things. I mean, you could just train speed and power in the gym with like dumbbells and weights and bands and things like that, and and probably see results. But then there's also like golf specific ones. So you've seen like speed sticks, which they have all these different exercises you do, and just they're more focused on the weight of the club. And so there's like there's different amount of reps you do with different weight weighted sticks. The training that we're doing is called Mach Three, and there's more. Um, different tools you use that are different weights but also have different flexes and then there's like these ropes that are attached to like you know just move around but their number one training aid is a thing called a jet speed stick and it's like a it's a golf grip golf shaft some chain like a four inch chain at the bottom attached to a weighted ball and so it kind of looks like this medieval like <laughs> weapon yeah. uh, but you swing it and and it makes a whoosh right so like that and then the programming is based on where is that whoosh and their whole concept is make it as high and towards the target as possible uh that being said if the whoosh is towards the ball or at the ball they're saying that you're actually slowing down or you're you're exhausting energy or speed before you get to the ball so they're saying if everything's directed towards the target and you're giving everything you got towards the target the ball will just get in the way, and that's actually where your max speed is. So, um, yeah. So it's the idea that, like, when you hear a club whoosh, that like the fastest part is actually like a couple feet before that. Yeah. Whoosh, so right? they. So, so when you hear that whoosh, like you can do where the fastest, you, can, you can do it with any club, hundred yeah. percent. Like I do it with. You can do it with anything. Yeah. Uh, wherever your focus is on that whoosh, yeah. the actual fastest speed of that arc that you're producing is four to five feet behind you. 
right? Yeah. So if you try and get it towards the target, if you draw a line back four feet of that arc, it's at the ball. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, if you said, okay, now the whoosh is at the ball, you draw a four feet arc behind that, you know, your fastest part of, part of the speed or fastest portion of the swing is in the transition and the downswing, and then everything's slowing down after that. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of like playing a reverse psychology on yourself yeah, well, and training worked. your body to move like more rotationally. Yeah, I only did it once, and then I started practicing just swinging driver, trying to get the whoosh like high and left, and I had my fastest speed ever too of yeah. 122. No wow. offense, but... 122. Yeah, I'm also only 5'7, so yeah. I'm just going to blame him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we can end this. Hey, but Rory's 5'8, and he's like at 120, so I, yeah. you know, he's my idol. You can get you there. Know, I'll get there. Maybe if you just spend some more time in the gym. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, Pete, I know you were just like brought into this, you know, two seconds ago. Anything um, fascinate you in this past week? Well, I'll start here. Does it have to be golf related? No. Uh, well, no, no. Well, I'll do one golf and you know, one we can all, we, we can edit this out if it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll well, edit it out and not tell you. I'll start with the non-golf right, right, related right, thing, and I'll keep it, it brief. Well, um, but I've started to become very interested recently, or fascinated rather, in space and space travel. Oh, yes. This Bro, is Dana. Don't is get me started. Right. Okay. <laughs> so um, Hold on. Let's pause. I need to cancel the rest of my lessons for the afternoon. This is uh, about to be a five-hour podcast. Let's buckle up. This is our first podcast since like COVID broke out. Yeah. Like it, it should be five hours. We yeah. got some making up. It's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> All right. Okay. Go ahead. Well, I saw a documentary on on Netflix um, called Michigan Michigan Control. So it's not even about the actual astronauts or the spaceships. It's about those on the ground in Houston um, communicating with like basically air traffic controllers, um, but for the the astronauts and. It was unbelievable when they talked about some of the Apollo missions oh, and like yeah. the malfunctions that some of these uh, spaceships had, and like how they in real time were like, "All right, we got to figure it out. We got no choice." And like how they like worked as a team to figure these these problems out and these malfunctions out is unbelievable. So I highly recommend to the listeners and you two to watch that. Uh, it's probably an hour and a half, so it's not too long, but it's fascinating, and it, I think. It kind of got me down in a rabbit hole on YouTube of like more stuff that that goes along with that. And obviously, I think last week NASA landed some sort of um, uh, robot or something on Mars, and so now it's, it's Roman. Another, another Mars rover. It's yeah, the Perseverance. It's got like the best cameras and pictures of super of Mars cool. We've seen it's incredible. Super cool. So I follow the account of the the rover on Twitter, and like it in live time, like tweets out pictures of Mars and stuff like that. So. I uh, don't want to go down a too big a rabbit hole with that, but that was fascinating, um, and that's been going on in the last couple of weeks. Um, Wait, so they ha- so 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 NASA like they don't really have like a perfect communication system, you know? Like they have problems and they have to figure out how to, you know, communicate yeah. with people in space. But they but they have a, a working automated you know Twitter uh, from from <laughs> Mars like well it's twenty twenty one of course they do. Well, their priorities are a little and off it tweets it out me. as if it's like a like an animate human being like the machine tweets out like i'm doing this today i'm taking this is a picture i took today so <laughs> it's freaky it's it's a little weird but all right i've been working on a uh on a puzzle i love puzzles i do them like on puzzles my spare cool. time okay. my girlfriend hates me for right now because and i just changed apartments and so that i only have like kind of like a one big table kind of space so i'm taking up like the whole apartment like where we eat with my massive puzzle <laughs> and it's a big circular puzzle nice. of the moon Oh, it's really? awesome. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, Sounds yeah. really hard. It's extremely hard. Yeah, I got like insane. way in over my head. It's only 500 pieces, but like <laughs> it is hard, man. It's a black and white. Like, good luck. Wow. <laughs> Bunch of craters. Where's this one go? That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Could oh, be anywhere. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh. I'll tweet oh. out a picture of it when I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited. Right. Did you say you had something else? Uh, it's kind of off of Jansen's speed training point. Oh. Um, we talked about a week or two ago about me because i this this off season i've been working on my my lefty game Mm. um which has been a a really fun project because it's helped me kind of um relate to some of my students because you know i I don't have the mobility and the rotation ability on on my left side that i do on my right side so 
uh, a lot of my students who struggle to to rotate and are pretty much swinging with all arms i can relate to them because that's kind of what i do on my on my back swing uh with my lefty swing but as far as speed training for that i've been using the uh the speed sticks and 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 trying to work on getting that whoosh uh four or five feet after the where impact would be and started to see some some progress yeah, in just a, a short amount of time so I'm going to keep doing that as long as there's snow on the ground, and then I'll I'll be outside trying to play my first ever round uh, on the other side. So nice, man. That's, that's going to be cool. fun, and that's kind of fascinated me too. So it's it's it'll be fun to kind of explore that further. Yeah. Will the first round be a canal? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's got to be, sure. right? It's got to be. be. It, yeah. I mean, that w- it would be a shame if it was anywhere yeah, else. I agree. Did you know that Pete can only hit draws, and so... That's actually why he's learning to hit Whoa. lefty. So if he needs to curve the ball the other way, he's just going to hit lefty oh. instead the, of having hit a cut. But the it. problem is, is I hit a cut lefty. Oh. So it's the same exact shot. Oh, it's the same shape. <laughs> it just goes shorter. It only can work at one, w- one direction. How so sad. I can hit a draw and a cut, but they both turn right to left. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, my fascinating thing was that um well, i just had a baby my congratulations wife did, by the that's way. pretty cool so awesome. pretty yep. fascinating you guys. so we got home from the hospital on it would have been a saturday saturday of riviera and so sunday you know we're just like really tired baby just sleeps so watched watched the whole coverage of the max homa's riviera tournament i've been really into max homa's podcast and Kind of followed him from his. He's got some videos with no lane up, like no lane up strapped, um, where they go to his home course. You know, he it's very like the course he grew up playing has a lot of like Canal Shores vibes, and he just talks about how like that's what he likes. And so, you know, anyone who loves public, uh, not the fanciest golf, is you know a friend friend of the podcast um, for sure. And so I really like really really wanted Homa to win, like more than I've ever wanted anyone to win. He was. He was tied going to the last hole um, with Tony Finau, and he sticks his approach to three feet on 18, and it's like everyone's talking about how he won. I'm like, it's not, it's not over yet. Like, and he, of course, just like it's the first time he's ever done this. Like, it's not going to be that easy. Yeah. Uh, he's from LA. Like, it's his favorite course ever, and putt just like turbo lips out, and um, it's like. I, I was like so stressful to watch because he, he, I don't know. There's no way you can come back from that. I I thought, like you have a three footer to win. You know he won a couple years ago, but it was it was a Wells Fargo, not the same, same as Riviera. Um, and then he goes into playoff with Tony Finau, hole ten. Finau hits a good shot. Homa hits it a little bit left of Finau, and is like it looks like he's just up against a tree. He's gonna have no swing. Turns out he has like a little bit of a swing. And he hits this like hooded hook, fifty degree that just like bounces up the green. He makes par. Fino makes par because Fino just really can't make a putt ever. It's like <laughs> tough to watch. Um, and then on the next hole, they go to fourteen. Uh, Fino hooks his left. Homa hits it to like ten feet, and then he won. And you know it's incredible. Like he gives he in the interview after he just talks about he's like man I've wanted to win this tournament my whole life like yeah he he grew up going to it he didn't he's like he never he said in his podcast after that he never he didn't like envision like winning a super bowl or winning the nba championship or you know even winning the masters like he envisioned winning like riviera because that was like the tournament he went going to um and so i thought that was like to go from having a three-foot putt to win to choking literally like the biggest (laughs) choke you could have but then somehow still making it through um is is pretty incredible he had a really cool um tweet the i think it was the next day or on sunday night he's like for 10 years i've been trying to get a high five from tiger woods and and finally today he handed me a trophy which was like that's pretty cool because he's he's probably tried a hundred times to just like talk to him or like gets too nervous or whatever. But now it's like forced that tiger has to hand you the trophy, but that was pretty cool. And it, he's, he seems like a really relatable person too. Yeah. He plays, you know, courses that aren't your, your top 100 courses in the country. He seems like a pretty normal guy or as normal as you can be in his position. So definitely somebody to root for. Yeah. yeah. He, um, before we move on from, 
from Homa, he he was uh, told a story about how he was in Francesco Molinari's group at Pebble when Molinari like topped his three wood on the first hole. He saw that video and <laughs> um, he you know he never played with Molinari before, and so Shane Bacon like asked him like what you s- what happened after that, and he's he's like I turned to my caddy and I was like, wow you're right that guy does hit it really straight. <laughs> after <laughs> topping it so i thought that's just like the funniest joke i've ever heard um <laughs> so um all right moving on to the last segment question of the week mm. this is I, I i figured this isn't um this is a qu- we can uh come up with these as we go of, of just a time that like someone asked you a question or like said something to you that like could become a you know a worthy topic of discussion Okay. Mm-hmm. So this question, like, w- this wasn't even actually a question that was asked to me, and I don't even have permission from the person to to bring this up, <laughs> but I'm gonna <laughs> do it anyway. Um, uh, so my friend, one of my best fr- my best friends, and who I also coach golf with, named Rob. Um, he and we played on the team at North Park together. Now he's a head coach. Um, you, Jansen, you and I, yep. you've played yeah, with Rob him. Well. You, yep. uh, you're somewhat familiar with his game. Yes. And how he plays and things like that. He. He texted me last night. He and he's. We were just talking about golf and clubs and all sorts of different things. And he said, um, he said, my goal this next year is to break par five times. Wow. In the year. And I was like, okay, it's a pretty good goal. Um, I'm not sure he's broken par. In I don't know, maybe in the last five years. But he, but he's. But, know, he, but he's done 70s. it. Be, he's done it before. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. 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 yeah he's low seventies. He's a good player. Uh, but like you know, just doesn't play that much. Uh, he's got a family, got you know a job, coaching, and and his other job. So, um, you know, it's not like not like us where he's able to, you know, go to the golf practice every day. Every day yeah. um, so my question is like, what what advice would you mm. give him, um, or or what would you say he needs to do to to break par five times? So like, what would a let's just say like a one or two handicap maybe three hand you know whatever so around there low 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 single digit handicap have to do to to break par five times in a year that's first of all that's a good question um unfortunately you don't have his permission to ask it but i'm glad you asked it anyway no, that's but all right jansen i'll, I'll let yeah you start. I, I three things come to mind three uh, things. okay so i mean again what are the parameters you want to put on it but i would say the three things would be Play up a tee box, play more rounds. He, sorry, he won't. Sorry, I already. <laughs> there's no. Well, chance. let me finish first. There's, let there's me finish, no, and then I'll adjust. There is no chance that he will do that. Okay, okay. Sorry, keep going. My you first finish. three things that would come to mind would yeah. be, and then he could, you know, he could change this right, if he wants. Right, right. Play up a tee box. Play more rounds than you did last year, so you have more chances or more opportunities, okay. and have more strategy on the golf course. So, okay. like, it'd be, you know adapt uh you know one shot shape that you're gonna hit and and then you know map your way around the golf course of the shots that you're gonna hit so you know where to miss and just have more of a game plan that you're used to and and knowing your dispersions um so that way you're hitting more fairways hitting more greens and giving yourself more looks so Mm -hmm. that those would be my three easy fixes now you take you know the tee boxes away and like Mm -hmm. going going further back just play just play more rounds the more you play the more opportunities you give yourself to do what you want to do so I, Based on yeah. like your your knowledge of his game, like what would you say he needs to get better at? Chipping. Short game. Yeah, he hits it. He hits it a mile. Hits yep. it plenty far. Yep. He has a reliable shot shape. Yep. He hits a little draw, yep. if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Like when we played at Mount Prospect, he didn't really miss that many shots. Hmm. I felt like. Well, I don't know. I mean, y- we played a match. It was me and him against you and Steve, and you guys like just dusted yeah, we us. Did dust it wasn't even close. So <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> Steve and I played. So good. he couldn't. <laughs> neither of us could have played that well that day to be like you're really. Yeah, but I um, and I know you could argue, be like, well, really, you know, how much from a statistical standpoint, how much you know, chipping around the greens, but like um. Well, no, you have to get up but and down. But like, you got to get up and down. Shoot under par. For you him, have yeah, to get he needs under, to get up and down yeah. every time. He needs to get up and down more often. Yeah. He needs to get up and down more often, even from like 50 and in, yeah. you know, or, or 80 and in. Uh, yeah, I think there, you know, if I think, I think I've played with Rob twice. I think just the two times that would stand out most to me of like, you know, your wedge play's got to get upgraded a little bit because from tee to green, it's not too bad. It's yeah, pretty so good. Do you have any more specific, like uh, what, like what 
how would you describe his wedge play and his chipping? And then how would you say what needs to kind of change? Mm. I, I don't know if I know his game well enough right. for that. I, I, I would say... Like, just me visually, like, thinking he has, like, a lot of kind of shoulder turn in the back, a little hooded, and then it's a little handle draggy on the way through, a little right shoulder dip. Like, that, it's no, kind of what I, cool. I mean, it's he, what I visualize, am helps, I right? If this helps, he, he uh, has a 62-degree wedge that he uses. Okay, let's throw that in the garbage. Yeah, get rid of, <laughs> get rid of that yesterday. Yeah, he 62 is, degrees with a handle drag, not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's why, but wouldn't you say that that is why he needs 62 degrees? Is because Cause he, yeah, because he, he de-lofts it, it so it. much, right? Yeah, so more club head speed with his chipping. I mean, that's, I think, in, you know, you're, you'll clip it. Is that more the feeling of, like, more throwing the, the more, head? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. More club head speed than his mm -hmm. chipping. Yeah. More, which creates more spin, more friction. So there you go. What about you, Pete? He is someone you've never even seen before in your life. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, the, from my experience, the, the biggest barrier to people shooting under par is just the mental side of it. People are almost uh, afraid to go under par. Or they're, go low. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's something that people have very little experience at, at least mm -hmm. most people. And yeah. I know when I was in, in late high school, early college, I was kind of in that spot where, like, I was a, a really low 70s player, but I just rarely shot under par. I had a lot of even par rounds, a lot of one-overs, two-overs, but rarely would get that sh that, that round in the 60s or, or, or under par, one, two under par. And um, I know he doesn't want to play up a tee, but if he can, like, two or three times to start the year, maybe up two tees and, and just know what it feels like and to play at under or play while mm -hmm. you're under par um, – Obviously, the more experience you have doing it, the more comfortable you'll be. Um, but it's a lofty goal saying you want to shoot under par five times and you haven't done it in what five years? You said. I don't. I don't. Okay. I, I right. don't want to slander <laughs> this person. Um, I, but I like lofty goals. I think. Yeah. I mean. I mean. I, I. I think it's certainly possible based on the way you guys have talked about his game. Um, he, to give him a proper respect, he like tore his ACL like five years ago. And so okay, okay. that like put a setback into sure. into his golf game. But now it's like back. He's, he's you know Tiger Tiger esque. <laughs> yeah, you know? very similar. Had the surgery, very <laughs> and now you know we're five years later. He's ready yeah. to ready to shoot under par. Yeah. Um, so you're saying mental? I saying I, I think mental's yeah. the biggest part of it. I, I I think you said some good points, Jansen, about his chipping. I'm sure he, he it probably is a matter of just needing a little more club head speed or. Um, avoiding kind of just de-lofting the club so much. But um, Hank Haney always says, like, the best way to lower your scores is avoid double chips. So mm -hmm. holes that it takes you two chips to get on the green. Um, avoid penalty strokes, which mm -hmm. obviously in a perfect world we all want to do. But it is something that, that I struggle with. Like, I get a little too aggressive, and I hit the ball in the water when I'm going for a par four and one or whatever it is when I easily could have just hit my three wood, which I can rely on much more than my driver and have a flip wedge into the hole. So um, my biggest advice is or is to kind of focus on his the mental side of it as opposed to the, the, the actual physical playing of it because I think that, in my opinion, is the biggest barrier for most people. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe play up no, a tee I like and it. just like kind of drop your. I, I would, I don't know. you know, I have the reason why I suggest that part. Like, sorry to interrupt, but like speaking just from experience of like at sunset, uh, playing at sunset with the uh, high school kids and and just like the younger kids in programming. Like, I would go and play the front nine, mm -hmm. you know, so many times and and play from the red tees or the white tees, and with my full set of bag and and just like and bomb it up there, you know, yeah. and. You know, go shoot two, three under par or, or even even par. You know, at the end of the day, you still have to make the putts. But, like, get used to hitting it closer with shorter clubs. And then the next time you got, like, a 7-9 in your hand, like, you're used to hitting it close. You're used to maybe taking a more aggressive line with that. But then you you add a little strategy to that. of like, okay, like maybe I'll aim, like, another three yards over here just because I got a 7-iron instead of a gap wedge. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, it starts to become pretty darn easy, you know? And you just get used to navigating. Because I think when you play up a tee, like – it's actually not that much easier because it's like sometimes with the distance that you're bringing to those forward tees, like a lot more stuff comes into play mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. being hard, you know, or bottlenecking up where you're going to land it or whatnot. And right. so it's like, yeah, you're going to be playing with shorter clubs, which are easier to hit. But like at the same time, it's a great way to like learn how to navigate the golf course because you're in places you've never seen before. So yeah. 
um, it was fun playing playing up from the Reds like all the time with the kids over the summer mm-hmm. and like and learning how to go low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I mean it's an interesting idea. Maybe for anyone, whether you're trying to break par, or trying to break eighty, that like it's really hard to do unless you, you know, obviously like it's hard to do until you've done it. But like getting used to doing it from a an easier spot mm-hmm. um, is actually just like something that you can't. You can't like f- manufacture it, or you can't like fake right. it. Um, and I think y- we were just talking about classes last night. We we're talking about routines, right? I mean, a lot of people I've played with that are good players, when they're playing really well, they they s- tend to get nervous and they get out of their routine and they play a little too quick. They're walking a little too fast. Everything's just a little bit too fast, and then all of a sudden things fall apart, and they're like, "What happened? Mm-hmm. I was playing so well." So yeah, I, I think. Maybe play it from the up the 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 red tees or something. Shoot under par. Don't count it in your five uh, in, in your goal of five. And then once you get more comfortable at it, go back to your normal tees and and now you know how to do it at least, or you're at least have how some cool experience. How cool would it be if he broke par ten times this season? Oh. Five were from forward tees and five were from the back. That'd be well, sweet. So I, be I, I guess I wonder. I'm this is maybe not specifically from him, but from other people who I feel would have the objection to that of like. And I only get to play twice a week. Sure. Um, this isn't going to count as like a, you know what I mean? Like if you're playing from like your normal tees, keeping score in your normal way, yeah. like that has, I guess like maybe it's like for your ego, right? Like you have higher, if I do well from here, like then that will be like the ultimate satisfaction is like yeah. right. breaking par yeah, from I the mean, back. We're, and we're, so it's like if I break yeah. par from the red, it'll it will feel like there's something lacking to right. that. Because I think, the reason why I play from the four tees or play with a half set, well, I like, I love playing, but like sometimes I'll just go out there with three clubs, you know, and like mm-hmm. play a full nine holes with like three clubs and no putter, you know, but it's because we're doing it every single day and I need that variety so that I can still enjoy mm-hmm. yeah. the game and enjoy a challenge, you know? And so you're exactly right. Somebody that doesn't get that opportunity, like I can totally empathize with mm-hmm. that of like, hey, go enjoy doing it the way you want to do it but i think the importance then shifts more to hey what is your routine are you going to stick to that are you going to have the confidence with your strategy um you know to be able to maintain that for 18 holes um because you are playing from from further back so maybe maybe he could do a little scouting report of the course he's going to play like a day or two in advance. That gets me excited. Like when I had my, my previous job before coming back to the golf practice, I was in that situation where I didn't get to play all the time. So when I got to, it was like, all right, I look forward to it all week. It's Saturday. It's my day off. I'm going to go out and play golf. And I played normally with my friends, all that stuff. But I wasn't afforded the opportunity to, to mix it up every once in a while, play from the up tees, play with a half set, um and those are all things that i've obviously learned uh over the last few months but um do a scouting report like like put it together a strategy i mean you, you pros do it every week they they i know they have the chance to do a practice round but you know look up the google earth uh picture of the course kind of decide hey man i'm probably gonna hit this club on this tee or i'm gonna if you have a strategy and you write it down you're more likely to stick to it and if you stick to it and your routine i think he's gonna give himself a better chance to to go low especially go low five times yeah like i bet i wonder if it'd be interesting to test this out if you could just have people whatever their goal is say you know you know, breaking power breaking 80 breaking 90 that like you have to start at the front tee box or like if you play from the front tee box you have to go start from the front edge of the fairway and it's like you have to reach your goal from that and yeah. then you get to move back one mm-hmm. one step and that's then what u.s do kids it, does yeah yeah once you, you can know. do it from that step then you go back the other step um it'd be interesting in how long that would take you know yeah. um yeah <laughs> you know i'm kind of interested in trying Pretty it out cool project. myself but um but then you're basically starting out your your golf season like getting comfortable shooting good scores mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part right you, you're yeah. not going to be be your best but like you're not you're not gonna go out and shoot, you know, eighty one from the red from the red tees at Sunset mm-hmm. Valley. Um, well, too like with golf, I don't know if there's some sort of like stigma with it, but with most other sports, if not every other sport, 
that's how it goes. I mean, like baseball, you start with T-ball. You literally put a ball on top of a T. There's no pitcher. You just hit the ball yeah. off. Once you do that for a couple years, all right, now we have live pitching or we have a coach pitching. Coach pitch. Coach yeah. pitch. Yeah, and then you go to live pitching from from other, other uh, teammates or, or players. Um, basketball, I remember playing on seven-foot hoops when I was like in kindergarten, first grade, and then you move up and you move up. But like golf feels like, yeah, you learn how to play the game, but like we were talking about this. You learn to play instead of play to learn. You learn so you can go on the golf course, and then you probably play a tee that you shouldn't be playing, and then you never move up again. Yeah. And you just struggle from that tee, especially if you're uh, a, a young player who comes into the game, and you're like, I want to play from the back tees and see how I do, and then you never play from a tee forward from that ever again. And you kind of set yourself up for disappointment. So, yeah, it would be cool to see somebody do that where, hey, shoot under par from the red tees. Okay, you can do that. Now move back a tee. Move back a tee until you can do it from the from the tips or wherever your goal is. doesn't have to be under par. It could be breaking 100, breaking 90, breaking 80. And it shouldn't take too long. Cause, I mean, if you can't if you can't accomplish your goal from three tee boxes up, then Probably you're not going to accomplish it from your normal tee box. Yeah. And I think people's egos get in the way yeah, when it hard. comes to that. You know, oh, well, you know what? I'll do it next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, all right, man. Okay. <laughs> Stay patient. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, we are very late for our uh, Canal Shores summer planning meeting. Uh-oh. Um, that's okay. Um, thank you for joining us. Thanks uh, for having us back on, Andy. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Been a long, like I said, long time listener, first time well, guest. It was a pleasure so to have you, Pete. It was an honor. Jansen, as always. Um, guys, I'll talk to you next next week, next See Tuesday. See you guys. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. The moment defines you. Come back. Come back.